welcome to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. Hello, uh, this is David Blitzer. I'm a PGY2 at Indiana University's Integrated Cardiothoracic Surgery Residency. Today I'm interviewing Dr. John Brown, current professor of cardiothoracic surgery and former Harris B. Schumacher Professor Emeritus of Surgery here at Indiana. Today we'll be discussing ventricular septal defects. We'll be focusing on the different subtypes, the physiologic implications, the clinical presentation, diagnostic pathways, and treatment options for what is the most common congenital heart defect. First off, Dr. Brown, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to record this podcast. I know that I appreciate it, and I'm sure all of our listeners will appreciate it as well. So let's get started with our case presentation. Uh, we have a six-week-old female who presents to the emergency room with a chief complaints of lethargy, poor feeding, and respiratory distress. Uh, her parents say that she sweats a lot in her forehead when she's feeding, and also notice that she's becoming increasingly lethargic with tachymnion retractions. Uh, she's mildly cachectic and acyanotic infant. Um, and pulmonary exam, you find mild to moderate subcostal and intercostal retractions. Her lungs have scattered crackles with slightly decreased aeration in the left lower lobe. And on cardiovascular exam, she has a regular rate and rhythm with a grade 2 out of 6 holosystolic murmur at the mid-lower left sternal border. The S1 is normal and the S2 is predominant. Uh, and S4 gallop is noted at the cardiac apex. Uh, so Dr. Brown, do you have any initial thoughts on uh, this patient and what we're seeing? Well, thanks very much, David. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to be uh, reviewing VSDs with our audience. I have a couple of questions. What's this child's weight? She's six weeks old, so she's three kilos, let's say. It's just sort of a six-week-old. She's three to four kilograms, and uh, her presentation's a little uh, unusual in that she's presenting with a big left-to-right shunt a little earlier than most kids with VSDs. Usually it's two to three months of age when, when they really start getting into enough failure uh, that requires uh, at least medical therapy to begin with and then uh, a surgical therapy. So obviously um, uh, looking at her chest x-ray to begin with to see if her lungs are indeed uh, overcirculated, and then obviously uh, this day and age we go straight to an echocardiogram looking at the location uh, and the degree of left to right shunning that she might have. We, we don't do heart catheterizations on these children anymore unless we suspect on echo that there's some other anatomic abnormality that would uh, warrant uh, uh, cardiac catheterization, such as uh, does a patient uh, have a coarctation of the aorta, so an upper and lower extremity blood pressure, but a, a good echo will let us know whether this patient has an associated coarctation of the aorta or not. In a six-week-old, I'm a little suspicious that there may be something more going on than just the VSD, so I'm going to be a little more su suspicious. But uh, having said that, if uh, the, the uh, echocardiogram shows that the aortic arch is okay, I'd want to know about the status of the ductus. In a six-week-old, if the child had a relatively large ductus that was still patent and a VSD, the first thing that I'd want to do from a therapeutic standpoint, other than treat the child medically with diuretics, and uh, uh, would be to uh, um, probably ligate the ductus through a uh, left thoracotomy approach 
And if that were the case, then I might be able to buy another uh, few months on this child before we would intervene from a surgical standpoint. Um, uh, operating on a six-week-old, three-kilogram ch child is uh, a little more challenging than it would be on a five-kilogram, three- or four-month-old child, but we do it every day. We do it, uh, you know, with other big uh, um, left-to-right patients like truncus arteriosus and that we operate on in the first month of life. Um, but uh, I would feel comfortable in a three-kilogram, six-week-old child if the only lesion was a ventricular septal defect uh, uh, was to go ahead and, and close it uh, surgically. Um, the other options that you could do for this patient, depending upon whether or not there were any other associated medical problems that the child needed, is that if it was an isolated VSD, you could consider banding it. This is what we used to do in the old days uh, in, a, in a very small uh, uh, malnourished infant. Uh, we would band the pulmonary artery and then planning, plan on coming back in uh, three to six months take the band off, repair the pulmonary artery, and at that point close the VSD. So one would have an option depending on the experience level of the surgeon and uh, the team that was going to be managing the patient postoperatively. Excellent. So we touched quickly on medical management including diuresis, digoxin, afterload reduction with ACE inhibitors for these patients and sort of uh, optimizing them prior to surgical intervention. And in terms of echo, I wonder if we could also discuss the different types of ventricular septal defects and how uh, the different findings might uh, affect your approach to uh, pursuing surgical intervention and then how you would actually approach the surgical intervention. Sure. But just for the sake of uh, completeness, I'll just mention type 1 uh, VSDs are outlet VSDs, which comprise about 8% of all of the VSDs that we see. Uh, they result from the failed formation of the muscular portion of the subpulmonary infundibulum. Uh, as such, the defect is beneath the pulmonary valve annulus. Uh, and Importantly for the conduction system in this defect, it's posterior and inferior to the, the defect, and sutures should be placed on the right ventricular side. That's correct, Dr. Sure, Graham. that's right, for both type 1 and type 2. Okay. And then we have type 2, which is our perimembranous VSD, and that comprises 80% of all the VSDs, and it's thus the most common. It's a failed closure of an interventricular communication in utero, and once again, conduction system is the anterior and posterior to the defect. And then we have type 3, which are inlet, also called AV canal or endocardial cushion defects, and these are 6% of all VSDs. Uh, there are various forms, with the most common being similar to a type 2 VSD. And then type 4, uh, which is a muscular VSD, it's 10% of all cases. It's a defect in the muscular septum, uh, and the conduction system is generally remote from the defect itself. Um, I agree with all those assessments. Uh, I, I was assuming from this, this with the echocardiogram, that it was a perimembranous ventricular septal defect. Then uh, probably just uh, rather than banding the kid, I would go for repair. However, or if this were an outlet septal defect, one that was just underneath the pulmonary valve, I would also uh, uh, favor directly going at this uh, VSD from a surgical standpoint. Um, uh, if, if this were multiple VSDs and it, and it included uh, uh, muscular VSDs that I thought would be very difficult to get at uh, through a standard approach, then I would probably fa favor banding the child. Uh, the, the multiple VSDs in a three kilogram children, uh, a three kilogram child would be pretty challenging. 
sometimes you have to go through the left ventricular apex and in a small child like this uh, I would worry about uh, post-operative ventricular function if I had to make a very big left ventriculotomy to get at the VSD so in that situation I would definitely ban uh, the pulmonary artery and come back at a later date when uh, I thought I could uh, uh, approach these more safely. Um, uh, one of the things that I tell my, uh, my residents as we're doing a VSD together uh, if you can't see the margins of the VSD and you're not sure uh, where the aortic valve leaflet is, sometimes uh, uh, if there are a lot of chordal structures that are obscuring your visualization, then there are two other approaches that can be done. One is to take down the septal leaflet of the tricuspid valve so you can better see the margins uh, of the VSD, particularly the uh, superior and medial aspects of the VSD. That's one method. I don't use it often. Uh, probably more commonly when I'm having difficulty uh, uh, seeing the margins of the VSD, going through uh, infundibular incision in the right ventricle frequently can uh, gets all of the chordal structures out of the way and it's much easier and many times much faster to close the VSD through a, uh, a limited right ventriculotomy. So those are two other approaches. You don't always have to be able to close every VSD through the, the, the tricuspid valve, but obviously that would be our first approach in, uh, in, in the vast majority of patients is to do a transatrial approach to the VSD. Uh, and then we kind of, um, kind of looking into the VSD topic, there are some sort of special scenarios uh, such as a Swiss cheese deformity with multiple muscular VSDs. Any particular consideration? Well, that, that's the one that we would band and, and wait till the child was larger because many, many times you have to go through the left and left ventricle or left ventricular apex to get at some of the Swiss cheese components. Uh, usually it's uh, you're working in both sides of the septum. You work through the tricuspid valve, close what you can uh, through the tricuspid valve, but if there are uh, significant VSDs down there, the apex, you really can't see them uh, as well because the right ventricle is highly trabeculated and you close one you know, one hole and it comes out another location. So it's much easier to broach some of the VSDs, particularly if they're large, is through the left ventricular apex. And uh, that's proven quite successful in dealing with some of those uh, uh, ones out near the apex. Uh, we've also looked at a canal or supercrystal defect in terms sure. of a transpulmonary approach for them. Any special? Thoughts? Uh, yes, many times you can approach them through the pulmonary valve. The, usually the right ventricular outflow tract is dilated, the pulmonary artery is dilated, and uh, if you can see uh, the margins of the defect um, uh, quite well, you can, uh, you can totally close it through the pulmonary artery. And there are occasions, and I'd say maybe 30% of the time, when I can't see the margins or I'm worried about uh, absence of the conal septum and the proximity of one of the aortic valve leaflets that I'll make a small infundibular incision just to have better visualization of the uh, infracrystal uh, or I mean the uh, infra uh, or the subpulmonary VSD. Uh, so sometimes you have to make an infundibular incision to see the margins of the defect adequately. And then a last special scenario would be an outlet VSD with uh, aortic insufficiency right. as well. Right. Well, it's 
see, we've gotten pretty uh, aggressive about repairing aortic valves, and if there was substantial uh, aortic insufficiency after you had closed the uh, outlet septal VSD, then I would very definitely open the aorta, and usually you can plicate or resuspend uh, uh, the prolapsing leaflet uh, and lessen the degree of uh, aortic insufficiency. Um, lastly, any special considerations you make for these patients postoperatively when you're particularly concerned about or looking for in their postoperative course? Well, obviously, in a six-week-old, you're not worrying about persistent pulmonary hypertension, but uh, obviously, uh, I am pretty aggressive about if I'm concerned at all, I'll put a pulmonary artery line in the patient through the right ventricular infundibulum, and so I'll be able to monitor pulmonary artery pressure. And if the child had a very reactive pulmonary vascular bed, then the administration of nitric oxide early or uh, if, let's say, this child were older and had a very reactive pulmonary vascular bed after I'd weaned off or before I'd weaned off the nitric oxide, I would uh, consider starting some sildenafil. Um, excellent. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Brown. Any last points or considerations you wanted to make about this topic? Well, uh, VSDs, although they're the most common, you think they're a very stro straightforward approach, they can be quite humbling. Thank you very much, Dr. You're, Brown. You're very welcome. Thanks for the invitation.